You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I can barely get out of bed and go to work. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't imagine being 45 and getting out of bed and going to play football. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable. Ready, set, hunt. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Cura. Brazilian Thai is here. Uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, it's been a bit of a struggle, uh, to be completely honest, this entire season. Uh, with uh, oh man, that's an understatement. With making uh, two and out happen, ties away in BC the entire year. Uh, I had a a change at my real job at the radio station, so the no, old that's your sidekick. <laughs> my T fours say otherwise. <laughs> oh, uh, the only time. That we could find time to record is basically three hours before or three hours after I go to bed and three hours before you go to work. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, it's been it's been great. And this is our uh, last early morning show of 2021 or hopefully. Oh, you, you I was going to say you just jinxed it. Damn. I shouldn't have said it yeah. out loud. Now I'm going to have to come back. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm going to have to come back. <laughs> I've got a little bit of an extra pep in my step. I'm on my second coffee already. The playoffs are here. So <laughs> let's just get right into this thing. With colder weather means maybe some cold drafts from mystery places <laughs> in your place. Maybe you've got some flickering lights. Oh, maybe a maybe an old leak, you know, like that uh, that bathroom at Iverwind Stadium back in the day. If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, oh. Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit Rumi.ca. That's R-U-M-I dot C-A and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today in the huddle with Karan Tai on the two and out podcast all right Ty not only do we have obviously the playoff games going on it happened on Monday of course you know about an hour after we released <laughs> that episode of two and out the Edmonton Elks announcing that they have cleaned house. Now, I'm not surprised. Well, I'm I'm surprised in maybe a little bit of a different way. It It's a move that they had to make with President Chris Presson, mm-hmm. head coach Jamie Elizondo, general manager Brock Sunderland, all being let go at once. But it was pointing towards them staying. And I, I was kind yeah. of afraid for that fan base that they were going to go into 2022 with the same regime. 
it, it looked like that, you know, with the Arbuckle trade and subsequently signing him to an extension. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why, if you're the Board of Governors, you let that deal happen unless you're, you know, totally behind, you know, Arbuckle sticking around and, and being here. Uh, you know, just let them do that deal. Make sure it's to your liking and you're still axing them. Um, it's just, it, it had to happen. I, and if they stay, what are they going to have in the home opener next year? Ten people? Well, th- I think that's it. It was uh, probably that time when they were trying to get people to renew season tickets. And it probably wasn't going all that well. I, I know they lost two for sure. Yeah, and that's just anecdotally. There was, other circum- <laughs> there was other circumstances, but I mean, it didn't make it that difficult of a decision for me to cancel. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause there was, there was no, like they waited to the end of the year. It was like, well, it's a little late now. I have already, I've already made my mind up and I'm, I'm not going back now. So through the Elks last 14 games, they've had two head coaches. Um, <laughs> Scott Milanovic. <laughs> <laughs> technically, technically, yes. <laughs> Scott Milanovic uh, paid an estimated half a million bucks not to coach the team. And now, with this whole front office cap, it's believed that, Which is stupid. that these three contracts will cost about $1.3 million. Now, it could come at less than a million bucks if these three get other jobs before their original contracts expire, which, why would you? Is it the same as the <laughs> NHL where, like, whatever their contract is, like, it's just a difference that you have to pay? I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I know if I'm one of them and I'm still getting paid until the end of my original contract, I'm not going back to work. Come on. Well, I know in the <laughs> NHL you can't do that, but... <laughs> Like, like, why would I? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if you. It wouldn't surprise me if you could do that in the CFL. I, I do know that uh, starting from scratch again, it, it might be another rough season for the Elks. But I'm mm-hmm. guessing it depends on who the general manager is and how they're able to frame this to fans. That I think the general manager is standing on the sidelines in Toronto. Well. The Edmonton's got to think long and hard about that. And they've brought in a CFL legend as a consultant Mm -hmm. in their search for a new general manager. Wally Buono is going to be the man in that job. Uh, A a member of the board of governors, Alan Watt, has been named the team's interim COO. They were pretty blunt on on the press conference on Monday when this was announced. But at the same time, when the three gentlemen that lost their jobs, they were pretty respectful of that going out as well. Now, if you listen to some people that are close to the team or longtime supporters of the team, they don't really have that much faith that things are going to turn around with this this board of governors or the franchise as a whole. <laughs> and they think that the problems in Edmonton go back a long, long way even before Ed Hervey ever got fired. So it's going to be a lot of work to get the trust of some diehard fans back and to make 
the Edmonton Football Club prominent in that city again. Mm-hmm. And I think from what I see, it's that the, the club needs to start with the little things. There are a lot of longtime fans. The community that, engagement and stuff like that. Well, that too. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of fans that honestly, from what I see online, just want nothing more than a callback from the team to 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 show mm-hmm. that they care to, to that they care about being supported, that they care about them as a fan or a season ticket holder. And I, I realize maybe it's a little bit of a skeleton operation now with with COVID and layoffs and, and things like that. But the little things, I think, would go a long way to gaining some fan faith back. Oh, for sure. Like if, if you call, you know, you call head office and you can't get a call back, you can't talk to anybody. That just sours you on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, it, if you're not going to engage with your fan base in the community, people aren't going to engage with you and they're going to stop coming. Um, I think the first step that they're going to have to make is reaching out to Mandrusiak. Yeah, um, I think that would go a long way for I, sure. I, that would go a long way. Um, but at the same time, it might be too late. I don't know. But the, like, yeah, it's the little things and stuff like that where, you know, the biggest outcry was, like, you know, some, one of the biggest outcries was, you know, Mandrusiak being let go uh, and not just laid off. Um, you know, so you would think that the reaction would be a little bit of the opposite if he was, you know, welcomed back. And I don't know if he would come back or not. Uh, but I think like stuff like that, that's where it starts. And maybe you can get, uh, maybe you can get, you know, the fans to come back. But I don't know. Just uh, for the amount of money that this is costing the team, I, I wonder if they might be forced into into a situation where they need to have the GM and the head coach being the same guy, you know, kind of like uh, a, a Chris Jones. I, I'm guessing that, <laughs> I don't know how much that would save, uh, $100,000, but <laughs> whatever it is, but I, I'm guessing that they'll want to save as much money as they can. At the same time, and I don't know Wally Bono's going to be able to do this, I think maybe there needs to be some new blood in in the CFL. And who do you consider new blood? I'm not sure. Is G Roy Simon new blood? He's been in BC. He's been helping out there for a little while and he hasn't really had the GM job. I get the sense out of Edmonton. They want somebody with experience, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of people there with very impressive memories and they don't forget what Chris Jones did to them about the day after the 2015 Grey Cup and took the entire coaching staff and went to Regina. And they don't trust that he'll stick around for more than one or two years. And I, I think I don't know if Wally Buono's going to make that call. They need to be very careful, careful with that one. I, don't get me wrong, I found it hilarious. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like, yeah, I, I, you don't want a guy coming in for one or two years because if it like, if you don't turn it around, and who knows if it does turn around in one or two seasons, uh, and he leaves, you're back to square one. Yeah, I totally understand that. You want a guy who's going to be there for a while. As for G Roy, I like you said, you, they want you're going to want somebody with experience, and if not GM experience, at least AGM experience. Yeah, um, you know, and, and he doesn't have that. 
uh, yeah, everybody's going to start somewhere, but coming into this situation, green is not, not the uh, ideal situation for sure. I want to mention uh, the divisional all-stars that were announced in the CFL on Wednesday. Uh, I guess I should just go ahead and say that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are <laughs> the West Division all-stars. 15 Blue Bombers. Yeah, more or less. 15 of that team announced as all-stars, which is incredible. Uh, one thing I, I just want to notice, and look, I get this is petty, man. But this is posted on tsn.ca, the league's broadcaster. And just skimming it, mm -hmm. I can tell you all of the mistakes. Kenny Lawler is spelled wrong. Lucky Whitehead is referred to as Willie Whitehead. Jalen Acklin is called Jalen Acklins. And then at the end of the article, Devontae Deadman is called Devin Deadman. Like, I would expect. That's all par for the course, isn't it? I would expect this to be written by me. Like, <laughs> these, yeah. these are their all-stars of the CFL that we're trying to promote and we're trying to get in front of, you know, maybe people who don't watch the CFL every single week and we can't even get their names mm -hmm. spelled right or actually right at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, people have been complaining for a while about how TSN doesn't do enough and the job that they do do isn't very good. Um, and it's starting, like, you know, maybe I was looking at it through rose-colored glasses just because, like, well, it's the only thing we got. It's the best we're going to get for now. Um, you know, just be happy that it's that we don't have blackouts. Uh, but it just keeps piling up, and it's not a good look for your, for your league's exclusive broadcaster. Like, I get it was just copy and pasted uh, from the Canadian press report, but... <laughs> Wow, you can you can edit it, you can you can spell check that. Yeah, <laughs> but congrats to the well, most of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Seven of them, of course, on the defensive side, and they've got. You know what, Ty? This this bomber offense a little bit different than the one we've come to be used to over the last half decade, where mm -hmm. running was the number one focus. They did not have a 1,000-yard receiver through 18 regular season games in 2019. Kenny the King Lawler, the only 1,000-yard receiver in the Canadian Football League through 14 games. Maybe a little bit of a different beast now than uh, the Bombers yeah. of old, right? Well, not only that, but it's a totally different Zach Kalaros, which I think lends yeah. itself to that whole new offense where they're able to trust him more and, and kind of, you know, loosen the reins and let him throw the football down the field. He, he was, he was able to scramble a little bit. It, it wasn't just, you know, a quarterback back there facilitating a running game. He was actually able to run the offense. Let's get right to it and talk about the two games on Sunday. Join 2-0 for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, Ty, we're starting with the Eastern Semifinal. The Montreal Alouettes going into Hamilton. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think the Tie Cats they're not gonna well they've already said they're not gonna take the bait 
But when Patrick Levels comes out and basically guarantees a win, I think that's going to be firing up the Ticats and their fans come uh, Sunday at the Donut Box. The, the fans, for sure. Um, if the players need bulletin board material, then I think they're already kind of defeated. Right? Like I, I don't, I don't know how big of an of a advantage or or lift that gives a professional athlete. It shouldn't. Um, after the game, if Hamilton wins, I'm sure that they will bring it up. I don't think that's a question. Uh, but you know, if I'm Patrick Levesel, I'm probably not saying that. I'm keeping that in house. <laughs> my my favorite was Kahari Jones' response, saying, "Okay." Which one of you guys baited him into saying that? <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because you probably could have got him to say that for any other game this season. I actually thought that Zoom interview yeah. might have been one of the most entertaining athlete Zoom interviews I've ever seen. So a couple points. I need to see more out of Patrick Levels. And I think we need to get more players talking like this, promoting the playoffs, because that was fun to watch, man. I just love this kind of stuff. I think he went rogue. That's okay. I don't with me. think. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't think you're going to see more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all. It's always been or has been cookie cutter. It'll probably stay cookie cutter stuff for a long time, just because the the team, for one, doesn't want players saying something that is going to make them look bad, regardless of whether it's guaranteeing a win or anything like that. They just don't want them to go off brand. And then two, you don't want to be talking about the other team. You should be worried about your own, your own house, but um, it does make it fun when they do go rogue, but you do kind of like JT Miller yesterday. (laughs) You you do contrast this with uh, the West. And I, I find that the West, there's a lot of paranoia about not tipping your hat to the opponent. And I I think that happens a lot with Calgary, Saskatchewan. Dave Dickinson's always kind of operated that way. And I don't think Craig wants to, wants to lose to his brother again. Um, But Mm -hmm. even when the CFL wired stuff was happening, (laughs) the way Jason Moss operated, I mean, <laughs> Calgary and Winnipeg, like they were completely different when they had the mics on them, which is, which is so yeah. disappointing because when, when you watch that little half an hour weekly show that TSN has, CFL Wired, they get some incredible content on that. And there's some incredible moments that gets caught and the, the dialogue mm-hmm. that you see, but never got that live for some reason and it's i think it's just that being so afraid that they're gonna learn your plays blah 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 and like give it up <laughs> they don't hear your they don't hear your play they don't I know. hear your play call in the huddle i know i know like, uh oh i i just want to see more patrick level stuff that's all i'm saying brooksy um, so <laughs> the, the, I guess that's what, I guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. <laughs> these two teams Spe- before, before you go too far, yeah. they brought it, they brought it up on NHL network during the Oilers game on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the 2004 Stanley Cup final was Daryl Sutter and John Tortorella. Oh. And John Butchagross had to cover that Stanley Cup final. How fun would that have been in a press conference? You're getting so much information out of those guys. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> okay. The, but carry on. These two teams, Ticats and Owls, they went one-on-one uh, and one against each other this season. You go back to August, Hamilton beating Montreal 27-10 in Montreal, and then the most recent game, October 7th, the Alouettes beat Hamilton 23-20. Quite the game there. The, the spread this week has the Ticats set at four-point uh, favorites here, and the Owls on the road have a four-and-three record, the Ticats five-and-two at home. Anything else standing out to you, Ty, uh, when it comes to the comes to the stats uh the turnover ratio uh, hamilton at plus 13 Montreal yeah. at even uh but look at the points off turnovers like, well yeah that's crazy so, that is crazy too so montreal um, uh they have had 99 points off of turnovers winnipeg number one montreal second hamilton third so clearly when montreal is able to mm-hmm. force turnovers they're taking advantage of it they just need to limit their own Yes, um, that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're even. Um, I'd like to take a little bit deeper dive and just see what it is with Trevor Harris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, throughout the year, yeah, they're even. But, you know, Schultz isn't playing in this game. Fernand Adams Jr. isn't playing in this game. Uh, so, I mean, that probably makes a little bit of a difference. Uh, and usually when you're looking at stuff like this, the team with the better turnover ratio is usually the team that's going to win um, or has had a better season. And, yeah. At plus 13 to even, and Hamilton's hosting. Uh, so it, it's usually not that big of an outlier. It's usually pretty conducive to your success as a team. And it turns out that, you know, it kind of worked out that way in this one. Um, Hamilton being fourth in rushing yards, too, uh, kind of stands out considering that, you know, for the first half of the year, they didn't really run the ball at all. That really kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> But I mean, when you have teams like BC, Ottawa, that Ottawa that can't do anything, um, you know, you're guaranteed at least seventh. So we got a nice little matchup here with the number one rushing offense in the Montreal Alouettes, the only team to gain over 2,000 yards on the ground against the number one rushing defense. With the Hamilton mm-hmm. Tiger Cats, that defensive line, Simone Lawrence, <laughs> Javon Santos Knox, they're able to stop the run and they're able to limit it uh, pretty well. So that's going to be a battle to watch for sure. The Alouettes are first in second down conversion percentage and we're first in time of possession. And I think that all adds up with the rushing game. If they're going to be mm-hmm. working in second and short, <laughs> they can just give it to stand back. He's pretty much guaranteed to get four or five yards. They'll convert those second downs. And of course they're going to control the ball. And it's been, I think a part of Trevor Harris's game and the offenses that he's run where they've uh, had a lot of stalled drives and been stopped in the red zone and kick and field goals. They're not going to be able to afford to do that at Tim Hortons Field. They need to finish those drives and make those long mm-hmm. clock-eating possessions really count. See, uh, I, 
Eating clock is, is, you know, easier said than done, obviously, but I don't know how big of an effect that would have because Hamilton is like they're able to score uh, on a, on a two play drive. Um, they can maybe not as explosive this year, maybe not as explosive this year as they have been in the past with Brandon Banks kind of regressing a little bit. Um, but still they're able to make big plays. Uh, but if you can, if you limit their opportunity to make those plays with, you know, time of possession, then yeah. Uh, and grind it out with stand back. And, you know, I'm guessing, I'm thinking that it'll probably be, um, Antwi in the back with, with stand back as well. I mean, to, to spell them off at times. Uh, yeah, but yeah, stalling out drives, especially in the playoffs, not ideal. Um, seems to be a couple teams in this league MO this season for sure. Um, but yeah, if you, if you can finish drives, if you're not only putting up point, if you're not only chewing clock, but putting up points as well, it's going to go a long way to securing a victory. The Alouettes have signed four offensive linemen to new deals, um, and that's a lot to do, I think, with probably their rushing attack. Uh, <laughs> those guys are happy they've got a running back like William Stadback back there mm-hmm. helping them out. Tony Washington is going to be in the lineup. Eugene Lewis back in the lineup. He missed uh, the last last game against Ottawa. And veteran Philip Gagnon is limited in practice should be good to go this week. I think one of the big additions here, Ty, is that Mario Alford is off the six-game injured list. He's practicing in full. Montreal's return game has not been the same since he's been hurt. Nope. He is one of the most electrifying return mans in the CFL. If he's good to go, if he's 100%, that's a big addition for Sunday. Yeah, it, if you're, there's a huge difference between starting at your own twenty and starting at your own forty. Oh yeah, and you know, him and Deadman and man, I, that might be it for guys that are like that can change a game from that position, um, right now. So yeah, if if he is able to play, I I don't think there's any question that he had that they got to put him in the lineup. I think even at ninety percent. If you can't be look. You can't be saving him for these final. You got to get there first, and if he gives you the best chance, then he has to be in the lineup. Now the Tie Cats have activated Braylon Addison off the injured list, and when he was into the lineup earlier this season, it looked like almost a little bit of a different offense. They were a little bit more rejuvenated. Uh, Brandon Banks had more mm-hmm. room out there, so he is practicing in a limited capacity, according to the league's official. Uh, practice report Orlando Steinauer calling him a long shot I know I did say that uh, the western coaches are a little bit more paranoid I'm thinking this might be a little bit of gamesmanship as well I, I don't know and I know it's a hamstring and the soft tissue stuff can flare up and you know re-aggravate at almost any time I don't know mm-hmm. if Braylon Addison would he be a decoy? I, I don't think so. That, I mean, teams would find out pretty quick whether or not he's going to be viable in that offense. Um, you know, if he comes out one or two plays and they and he's not the usual Braylon Addison, teams are going to or Hamilton or Montreal, sorry, will just they're not going to worry about doubling him. They're going to worry about you know doubling somebody else and and targeting others other points of that offense um it, but 
if he comes out and he is, you know, able to produce, I mean, that, like you said, it totally changes this offense. Um, gives more room to guys. Uh, Braylon Addison, we've seen in the past, break long plays. It's not just, you know, one guy on this offense that can do it. It's all of them. Um, and so, yeah, it just opens up options and, and opens up the field for guys like, like Brandon Banks, like you said. Now, here's the thing. If they get Jalen Acklin in there, and now Ted Laurent was limited at practice uh, on Tuesday. He did practice in full. He, he's playing. He he did. Well, they need him to play, uh, not only for their mm-hmm. run defense, but for ratio considerations. Because if you look at the Ticats mm-hmm. receiving core, Jalen Acklin, Brandon Banks, Stephen Dunbar, Poppy White, Tim White, all-American, Braylon Addison, American. <laughs> if they want... Ungerer would be about the only one, I think. Wouldn't he? They would have to get him in, or they'd have to get Sean Thomas Erlington in. I'm thinking they want Don yeah. Jackson in because the the way he's played, it, it looks like that offense... The Donissance. Yes, he just has some fire, and he's running angry. So they wanted to get him in there. So the, the Addison addition might cause a little bit of... Uh, ratio ripple effect yeah to to see how the Ticats are going to manage that offense in that situation but as the season has gone on their offensive line has come together and let's let's face it their defensive line has always been there so the battle in the trenches in this one (laughs) and it, it, Mm it it decides almost every game but when it comes to the playoffs that's magnified man yeah, cold weather. Uh, you got to be able to run the football. You don't see a lot of teams that are pass heavy have a lot of success uh, this time of year. Uh, and yeah, with with this defensive line, it's going to be an absolute war. Uh, these guys can stop the run. They can pin their ears back, and go get the quarterback. Uh, you know, the secondary gives them a lot of time. It's a good secondary. Don't forget that. Um, where you know a lot of they can get covered sacks. So. This offensive line is in for one on Sunday afternoon. This is uh, pretty interesting here. Uh, Greg Quick was added as the team's defensive line coach uh, when the team was 2-4. and four. And then right after that, they went on a four-game winning streak. Uh, the team only allowed more than 20 points once in its final eight games. And the, all of a sudden, their defensive line was producing sacks left and right. And mm-hmm. a CFL best, 87 two-and-out situations. The Montreal defense has really come into their own in the last half of the season here. Patrick Levels, uh, maybe he's got a reason to be as confident mm. as he is. And you mentioned the secondary, Money Hunter. He is a divisional all-star. Even David Menard on the defensive line is an all-star. So look out for the for the Alouette defense. It kind of just seems like the perfect storm for them to take the next step. I know that people had hopes for them to do it during the regular season with Vernon Adams Jr. going into this year as the starter. Of course, gets hurt. Kahari Jones, second year as the coach. 
This will go a long way, I think, to making the next step if they can go into Hamilton and get a win. But coming off a loss against Ottawa in the last game of the regular season has a lot of people questioning the Alouettes. Yeah, and, and usually like when there's a new coach that comes in, you get that little bit of a dead cat bounce, they like to call it in sports, uh, where it's just a new voice and you know for one or two games it, it helps. But, I mean, the team then regresses back to basically what it was. Uh, but for that to be sustained for a longer term has been, you know, not really a revelation, but, you know, kind of surprising. And maybe it was a coaching issue or, or whatever it was. But, I mean, this defense, like you said, has has turned around. After those first, after those, after that first half of the season, and now they're they're playing as a unit. Uh, it's just uh, you bring up you bring up that game against Ottawa, and I don't know how much you can really take from it, considering what they did in the second half. Well, yeah, they had an eighteen to three lead, and right. Ottawa puts up sixteen points and wins. And the the second half, it seemed yeah. like Montreal just they let off the gas, really. Hundred percent, and uh, and I don't, I can't really blame them for that. But at the same time, you now have nobody to blame if you lose this game on the road, but yourself because you had a chance to at least have a shot at a home playoff game, and you just basically gave up on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't put I don't put a lot of stock into that last game of the season because of you know they 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 stapled stand back to the bench in the second half. Uh, you know, made a couple other moves where it was basically just, you know what, Hamilton's going to beat Saskatchewan tomorrow anyway. What's the point? Yeah, and Patrick Levels kind of said that. He said we weren't really mm-hmm. in control of our own destiny anyway. Yeah, if we won and we would have clinched the home game with that, yeah, but. <laughs> then I think that everybody plays, but. Yeah, but you see. You see Saskatchewan's depth chart they go to Hamilton with, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> the writing was on the wall with that. Let, yeah. Let's talk about. And, and you don't want you don't want guys you don't want to play your guys, and you know they're they're trying to make sure that they win that game when all in all it doesn't matter, and and somebody gets hurt and you lose this East semi by twenty because you lose two or three guys. Like, I get that too. Let's talk about Saskatchewan. Home to the Calgary Stampeders, another home playoff game at New Mosaic Stadium. The first one not against Winnipeg. <laughs> I don't think that's going to matter. I think the record stays the same. The Riders one and two against the Stampeders this year. Obviously, the Stamps two and one. They had a big October against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Riders five and four against the West. The Stamps six and four against the West. Both teams' strengths: Calgary on the road five and two, Saskatchewan at home five and two. Where the Riders are two point favorites on Sunday. <laughs> you know, I've been really monitoring the weather. Because you never know what it's going to be at the end of November mm-hmm. in Regina. And I'm actually quite shocked to see that it's going to be warmer than it's going to be in Hamilton. <laughs> Eight degrees yeah. projected for Regina. I-, I think the CFL and the riders are getting pretty lucky with what uh, Mother Nature is delivering this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... 
the West final is going to look like next weekend in in Winnipeg. But man, I don't think the Riders could ask for any better weather. But do they want to play a Bo Levi Mitchell with nice weather? I'm not sure they do. I I don't. I, I mean, if it's minus 10 to minus 15, if it's or any, anywhere below minus 10, there's a vast difference in, in how that team plays. It seems. It seems like nothing can go right. Nothing gets going for the Stamps. Uh, but if you give Bolivar Mitchell, I wouldn't call it ideal conditions, but decent conditions, uh, he's going to... He's gonna be able to do what he wants. Like they're not gonna to have to to shorten the playbook. Uh, if a full complement, not gonna to have to worry about you know committing to the run thirty thirty times to to protect the football. They're gonna be able to air it out if it's that if that's the weather. Uh, and I just don't think that bodes very well for the for the riders. We said it last week that yeah, when this, when it get when it turns cold and, and the weather is less than ideal, it seems that the stamps are a little soft. Except for when the field is completely frozen uh, in Edmonton. But other than that, like I mean, you look at the West Final in, what, 2013? It was colder than hell, and they played like crap. Well, Not that this is the same, same roster, but, I mean, it, it's a recurring theme. It, it, I think that is part of what happened, too, with uh, 2009, 2010. The Riders mm-hmm. were just able to go into, into Calgary and steal those games from, I, I think, the team that everybody thought was the best in the division. That being said, just completely yeah. different different teams right now. Uh, when, when I look at the stats, Ty, I'm, I find it quite remarkable, other than maybe some other key stats here and there that the Riders are a 9-14. I think we're looking at the same one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, second last in passing yards. Yep. Uh, second last in second down conversion. Third last in time of possession. Like, nothing. It, I mean, even the stamps. Like, second last in rushing yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, Third last in points off turnovers, middle of the pack for time of possession. Like nothing is screaming playoff teams. Well, and if you want to talk about at who else was in their division, and I mean it makes sense. Turnover ratio for the Riders has been a strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus twelve, yep. where the Stamps are minus eight. That is not something we've seen from the Stampeders no. in a long, long time. And I know there was a game that both threw four interceptions. He he had the broken leg. It, that's just not Stampeder football. Uh, they started the season two and five and <laughs> ended mm-hmm. here in the playoffs when it kind of looked like they weren't going to make the playoffs. And part of that is BC struggles where they had a real yeah. opportunity – <laughs> to turn it on and make it into the playoffs and they they just they just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look at the last 3 games between these teams and this is going to be no different when there's going to be four or five plays that decide this game. But what <laughs> as somebody who's yeah. che- who cheers for the green team every one of those games started with a big gain from the stamps. And if it didn't end in the touchdown, mm-hmm. 
That first drive ended in a touchdown or some points. The Riders need to find a way to stop that from happening this time. Yep. Uh, and I think the best way is to probably receive the opening kickoff. <laughs> I, well, and that being said... Buck the trend. Because while the Stamps were connecting on those big plays... The Riders were overthrowing those big plays they tried early in mm-hmm. the game by by one or two yards. Whether it was you know getting a little bit cute on third and one, trying to get a forty five yard gain, and then ending up on a turnover on downs, not going to be able to afford those kind of mistakes on Sunday. No, no. Jason Moss is going to have to revert back to his days in Edmonton and just you know get the ball down the field. Mark, you don't need the big chunks. Uh, the only difference is that he's going to have to end the drives in, in touchdowns and not field goals. But this whole, you know, throwing up 50-50 balls all the time, it, it it's not conducive to success. It's not going to work. No, no. it uh, <laughs> That has become almost the term of the year in Saskatchewan. 50-50 yep. balls. Why, why not take the sure thing? There, there have been, well, it, yeah. it does seem. Run across the face of the defense. <laughs> yeah. Like Shaq Evans is probably top two in the league when it comes to running uh, running slant routes. He is so the good greatest, at that. The, the best route in football. <laughs> if he can get you seven or eight yards every single time you get, and and those mm-hmm. are the routes that Cody Fajardo excels at. He's got great yeah. accuracy on the on the short to mid range stuff. What we've seen this yep. year. <laughs> the long range stuff isn't happening, whether it's on him or whether it's on a young offensive line that is unable to mm. hold their blocks for that long. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, if you can get in second and eight situations, you have William Powell. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's been on and off this year, but I think come in the playoffs, I mean, he shouldn't be worn out as much as, you know, a guy like you would look at William Stanback with, with the rushing yards and the carries and everything, you wouldn't think that he would be, not saying that William Stanback is tired out or anything like that, but, you know, the limited carries compared to what would be expected of William Powell, uh, he should be able to carry a pretty heavy load here on Sunday. Yeah. And if, if you have the opportunity to use him, you have to take it. Like it, the less time you give Bo Levi, football, Bo Levi the football, the better. Well, and I was going to say that the Riders, seventh in time of possession, mm-hmm. their best defense might be is a good offense keeping their offense on the field. And it seems like from earlier in the season when they were doing those, you know, zero yard screens to the sideline, they've kind of moved away. Ugh. They moved away from that. It was pretty painful, but. Getting Powell involved, he doesn't fumble the ball. At times mm-hmm. this season, it's looked like they've deliberately tried to save him for the playoffs. I guess on Sunday, we will see what happens there. The Riders fifth in rushing yards. Uh, the Stamps rushing defense fifth, so right sort of middle in the pack. The Stamps being eighth in rushing yards kind of surprises me a little bit. I, I guess it Kareem helps. Kareem had some pretty good games. And I guess it helps that uh, Fajardo, he, he gains yards on the ground with his legs mm-hmm. as well. And that that's all uh, taken into account here. Kadeem Carey 
it seemed like he had almost the most success against Saskatchewan. <laughs> so, well, when you play it, when you play a team three times in four weeks, you're able to find some weaknesses in film. Yes, uh, Kerry has been able to to run the ball against the Riders. So the, this is why Micah Johnson uh, getting last week off in Hamilton is big. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to be ready to go, and he is so so valuable to that rushing defense. Luches Purifoy back practicing uh, in full for the Riders after missing a a few games uh, or he had to leave halfway through the second last game with the ankle Mm -hmm. injury. Looks like he's good to go. Looks like Duke Williams is uh, is good to go after having Wolverine healing powers in uh, the second last game (laughs) uh, of the season. So is that a mantium clause? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it does appear though Ricardo Lewis has a torn Achilles. Uh, what is that? The 18th of the uh, season yeah. for the Saskatchewan I've, Rough Riders. <laughs> I've lost track. Yeah, it's been a rough go. Of course, most of those happened in one day back in July. Yeah. Uh, receiver Paul McRoberts taking his place. But the big one I see with the Riders. <laughs> Nine returning starters from the West Final. In 2019, that includes how many of those are on offensive line? Four. Oh, sorry, one on offensive line. One. Four new starters yeah. well, there's, on uh, the old line. There's your problem. There it is. Just look at Winnipeg. Four offensive yeah. linemen were division all stars. Mm-hmm. Eighty percent of their line. <laughs> It helps when you have a guy. When it helps when you have a guy like Hardrick and Bryant that are yeah. eight feet tall and four hundred pounds. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it does. The, the Riders don't have well, other than Dan Clark, offensive lineman that experienced, or quite frankly, that big. They, they really don't. Yeah. Um, so to, to see how the Stampeders, uh, because you know. When it when it comes down to it, Dave Dickinson is going to have them prepared for Sunday, and he's been preparing for this oh, game yeah. for the last for the last few weeks. Last week's game against Winnipeg didn't matter; they might have well just been preparing for Saskatchewan, right? I think so. I think they've known for long enough where him and Craig probably aren't talking at all, and <laughs> he's just been sitting in his office watching film. An awkward Thanksgiving uh, weekend. It's uh, Thanksgiving in the States uh, for uh, the Dickinson brothers north Mm -hmm. of the border. (laughs) Triple header today. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Just a chance for me to lose more money. (laughs) I've stopped stopped betting on football. It's not worth it. Man, it doesn't matter what league you're betting on. Nothing's a sure thing. Yeah. Nothing. No. Uh, I want to mention this. Just bet puck lines. Don't parlay it. Yeah. (laughs) I want to mention this for the Stampeders. The 45-year-old long snapper, Randy Chevrier, returning to the Stamps. (laughs) He might play. I don't think it'll be this Sunday, but if the the Stamps make it to to the West Final. When the Stamps make it to the West Final. (laughs) There's a good chance he'll get into there. And uh like I'm I'm thirty three. I can 
I, I can barely get out of bed and go to work. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't imagine being 45 and getting out of bed and going to play football. <laughs> I was going to say, does does this uh, give you some hope for a, a possible career? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? It, I have zero hope. I think it just goes to show how hard it is to find a quality, steady long snapper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why Michael Shea was so pissed off Labor Day 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What that's a, a unit. You got. <laughs> the long snapper, the holder, and the kicker, if you make any changes to that, mm-hmm. it, it can have a real domino effect. Oh, 100%. 100%. So Corey Greenwood has been activated off of the, off of the injured list. He's been mostly this year a special teams body um with the linebackers they've got in calgary jameer thurman and darnell sankey they're going to be ready for well those guys can really fly over the field and defend receivers they can stop the running game (laughs) those those linebackers are incredible saskatchewan's gonna have their hands full with them but i do mention Mm -hmm. the coverage team for the stamps because I, I know the special yeah. teams doesn't get much love, but the Stamps are first in punt return coverage, giving up 5.1 yards a return. They're, they're second when it comes to the kickoff return average. They're only giving up 18 yards on uh, kickoff returns. and And actually... These are the top two teams when it comes to limiting the big return. Calgary's only given up two. Saskatchewan's only given up three. Craig Dickinson, the special Mm -hmm. team's background there. But the Stamps' special teams has been dynamite this season. And and we've said it before, where special teams can make a big difference. Oh, Um, yeah. Usually, you've got to win two of the three aspects of the game. Um and if you can, you know, be if you can split the offense, the defense, and win that special teams battle, well, you're flipping field position. You're you're getting good starting field position. You're making it easier on your offense, making it uh, harder on their offense. If you can punt well, like it, it makes such a huge difference. But people just don't talk about it that much. Well, and that's a that's a good point here. Cody Grace is a global player for the Stampeders. He's been named a divisional All Star, the first global player to ever be named. Uh, divisional all-star and the riders i don't know if john ryan's ever going to come back from from what i heard uh his his leg injury seems pretty pretty serious and the riders were able to get themselves a nice global punter as well with with vedvik and Mm -hmm. let's let's not pretend there's going to be a lot of punts in this game. I, I don't think it's going to be a 42-41 affair. It's going to be a, a, a chippy one in the trenches. And those two punters, <laughs> you say it in the intro, man. Punters are people too. They're going to need to be mm-hmm. on their game on Sunday. They they, they have a huge impact. They, I mean, I bitched and moaned about John Ryan's singles. Because it just gives up field position for one point, like it doesn't, it mm-hmm. doesn't really help you that much. Uh, but if you can get that coffin corner and pin a team inside their own ten, that's that's a huge advantage. 
Brett Lowther versus Rene Paredes. I mean, two of the most consistent kickers in uh, in the CFL. It doesn't. Look, I don't know what the wind situation is going to be at, at Mosaic mm. Stadium. But if you like kicking, maybe this is the game for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with Jason Moss as the offensive coordinator, expect a lot. <laughs> In uh, U Sports football this weekend, it's the U of S Huskies traveling uh, to Montreal to play the Caravan in the U uh, Tech Bowl, and then it's Western versus Saint FX in the Mitchell Bowl. It is a uh, a berth in the Vanier Cup on the line. To me, Ty, look, I, I'd like the Huskies Western to win. Montreal. I'd like the Huskies to win, honestly, but I, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be Western Montreal in the Vanier Cup. Yeah, 100%. Now, uh, fantasy is different with the playoffs here. The salary cap uh, is $30,000. You only pick a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, a flex, and a defense. Who did you throw in there? It's just uh, playoffs. (laughs) It's just fun anyway. Uh, Bully by Mitchell, William Stanback, Kamar Jordan, Reggie White Jr., and the Stamps defense. You're all in so on those kind of, Peters. <laughs> that kind of tells you who I'm picking in the West Semi if I haven't made it obvious already. <laughs> I went for Jardo Powell just because I just want to see it happen. I I don't know. I don't know. It's just <laughs> wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Stephen Dunbar, mm-hmm. uh Reggie White Jr. and the Tie Cats defense is what i've got 359 bucks left over i know who you're picking in the i think West. we're gonna have two opposite picks are you picking montreal yes montreal and calgary, montreal, the two calgary. road teams yeah i'm going saskatchewan weird it's just, <laughs> hey i pick against them a lot <laughs> Yeah, because we've had our heart broken enough times. I'm just not going to let it happen. (laughs) Yeah, because if you pick against them and they lose, you were right. If they win, hey, they won. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like when when my dad left, like I just, you can't, you can't keep trying because you're just going to keep getting your heart broken. (laughs) The East final. I learned at a young age, Travis. (laughs) The, the, The East semifinal, like... I want to pick Hamilton, but then I remember that showdown to host the East Final against Toronto a couple weeks ago, and the performance from Hamilton, Mm -hmm. that was bad. I don't know how you... It wasn't great. It's one thing for, for Montreal to lose that game against Ottawa, but for Hamilton to show up against Toronto like that when all you... well. Easier said than done. When you had to win to host the East final and you perform like that, who uh, I think... Yeah, no fire, no intensity. I I guess I kind of said it last week. I just think that this is Jeremiah Mazzoli's last shot as the guy in in Hamilton. And uh, he's going to need to put the team on his back. (laughs) <laughs> if he wants to get them to the East final and further. So I'm going with the home teams. I'm going Hamilton and Saskatchewan. Home field needs to mean something, Ty. It, it should, but, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, 
You look at the record that the Riders have in the playoffs at home at New Mosaic, and I'm just going to – I'm going with the numbers. The ghost of New Mosaic. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Two and Out brought to you by the Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Parents can easily miss their child's eye problems. Issues can occur in only one eye, making them difficult to notice. The earlier an eye health or vision problem is identified, the more likely it can be corrected. The IC iLearn program provides an eye exam and free glasses if needed for kindergarten age children. 25% of kids begin first grade with an undiagnosed eye problem. So to book your child's eye exam, please visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrists.ab.ca. There it is. The playoffs are upon us. East and West semifinals happening this Sunday. Enjoy the games. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll be back with you Monday to recap what happened on Sunday. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.